0: You're listening to the New Life Church podcast, where we are passionate about helping you connect to your God-given purpose. To learn more about New Life Church, including our service times in Canton, Georgia, visit us online at newlifecanton.com. So today we're going to springboard off of our Easter weekend into a brand new series called Through the Eyes of John. For the next five or six weeks, we're going to just take a deep dive into the gospel of John. The New Testament opens with four gospels written by four different men about the life of Jesus while he was on earth Matthew, same with me, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right? So, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are what we call synoptic gospels. They're very similar. They tell the biography of Jesus, of what he did and what he taught on earth, they give us the synopsis of his life. And the Bible, it's very interesting, contains 66 different books. You know that, right? It's it's not just one book. It's 66 different books written, get this, over a period of 1,500 years. And yet they tell one story of love and grace and mercy, all pointing to Jesus Christ. It's, It's absolutely amazing. What we have in our Bible is a miracle of God. But something we need to understand about Scripture is that the Holy Spirit inspired all of it. All of it from, from Genesis to Revelation. Paul tells us in 2 Timothy 3:16 that all scripture is God breathed. But at the same time, every word was penned by human authors, and their personality and their style comes out on every page. Well, the synoptic gospels are very similar in approach, Matthew, Mark, Luke, are very similar in approach, but different in style. But they're they're similar in what they're trying to do. But then there's the book of John. John's approach was very different because, see, John wasn't just an acquaintance of Jesus. He didn't just interview people. He was in the inner circle. He was a personal friend. Can you imagine being A personal friend, like in the inner circle, Peter, James, and John, with the Lord of glory, Jesus. And so the most important thing to John wasn't as much what Jesus did, but who he was. If the Apostle John were standing with me on the stage today, for one thing, I would get off. But other than that, um, his message would be very clear and very simple. Look at the screen. He would say, Jesus is the Son of God and the only source of eternal life. Now, this is going to be a powerful series about our Lord and Savior because through the eyes of John, to look at Jesus is to see God himself. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for what we've already sensed here today in your presence. God, I pray right now that as we go through some very familiar, to a lot of us, very familiar scriptures, and Lord, some of this we've heard many, many times, and quite frankly, some of it may have become familiar. I pray that it would become alive again, that there would be a newness and a freshness brought by your spirit. And Lord, you would reveal some things in our lives and our hearts, God, that you want to do. And I thank you for your word today. Bless it. Let it become prophetic and rhema. Right now, word from you. Transform our lives in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. So another real quick commercial. Can you handle that before I get into the word? So May 15th. May 15th, write this down. It's a Sunday. We're going to be doing one service up on the hill. We've done a couple of these, these Be Together events. We're going to, uh, we're going to be up on the hill. Hopefully, it'll be a beautiful day like today. Wouldn't that be amazing? Oh, my goodness. We've got a brand-new, beautiful pavilion up there in a, in a space uh, that's just God's helped us. It's just absolutely beautiful. We're going to be up there. We're going to have uh, inflatables for the kids. We're going to be doing a lot of fun. We're going to have service and worship. So bring a chair and bring a dish. Now, when I put that in my notes, dish changed, it auto-corrected to fish. Bring a dish and a, no, bring a a chair and a fish or a dish, whichever one you want, (laughs) we'll eat it, okay? No, seriously, put it in your calendars now. We're going to have a beautiful day on May 15th. We're also going to baptize that day. So if you haven't signed up for baptism, it's right outside. You can do that. All right, enough commercials. John chapter 1, if you have your Bibles, turn there, John chapter 1. We're going to be in the New International Version on the screen, beginning with verse one. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Man, there's so much to unpack in this one verse. We could do the entire series right here. In the beginning. Does that sound familiar to anybody? That's right. That's right. It's not by accident. John is very intentional here. He uses the exact same words to begin his gospel that Moses used to begin the creation account in Genesis 1 1. Why does he do that? Because, again, John's mission is that we understand who Jesus is, not just what he taught, not just what he did. Those are important things. In the beginning, John says, not Jesus as a baby in a manger. Not Jesus as a teacher, not Jesus as a healer. Those are all important things, and we'll get there. But to John, what Jesus taught and what he did are tied inseparably to who he is, fully human and fully God. In the beginning, he spoke, and galaxies came into existence He spoke again, and the waters and land parted and were filled with life. He spoke again, and humanity was formed, man and woman. The only two choices, by the way. Well, that's a sermon for another day. (laughs) Genesis 1-1 says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And then John begins his Gospels the exact same way because he wants us to know that Jesus was not just a prophet Jesus was not just a teacher. Jesus was not just a healer. Look at the screen. Jesus was and is the creator of all things. Somebody give him praise if you believe that. Come on. So that's the first three words of the first verse. We're going to be in John until 2024. So John calls Jesus the word. The logos in Greek, the word. This is the written logos, the written word of God. Jesus is the living word of God. Aren't you thankful this is not all we have? Aren't you thankful we had a God that loved us so much he was willing to come and live out the word, be the word for us? Man, that is so powerful, the written word. And the word was with God, And the Word was God. Both of those phrases are important. First, with God, with God. Well, that's evidence of the Trinity. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One God in three persons. That's easy to understand, right? (laughs) Wow. The mystery of one in three, or three in one. We're going to have a little Sunday school this morning. I've, I've heard of illustrations to try to teach this all my life. Anybody else? There's the, the H2O, the water. You know, it exists in gas and in solid and, 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 uh, and liquid, you know, to try to explain the Trinity. I heard one recently uh, about a pretzel. Yeah, a pretzel. This is holy. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the holy pretzel. No. The pretzel, there's, sorry. there's one pretzel in three different holes. This hole is not the same as this hole. This hole is not the same as that hole. But there is one pretzel. <laughs> Just doesn't do it, does it? <laughs> I tried, y'all. give you an A for effort. It's it's really really difficult for us to comprehend this. We, we we never will fully be able to to comprehend the unity that exists between the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But the evidence of that relationship, the evidence of that unity is throughout Scripture. One quick example is when Jesus was baptized, all three persons of the Godhead were present. The Father was speaking about Jesus who was in the water, and then the Holy Spirit came down as a dove, all three, three in one. That's just one of many examples. So as I stated before, the big idea of John is that Jesus is the Son of God and the, the only source for eternal Life. Now, I'm curious if, if any of you were like me when I was little. I grew up in the church, and so I heard Son of God all the time. And I have to admit to you that I, when I was little and I heard Son of God, I was like, okay, well, who's God's wife? If Jesus is the Son of God, who's God's wife? I mean, think about it. He is eternal. Jesus is eternal. When was he born? Well, he was born on earth. But no, he was alive before that. What's going on? Son of God? How does that even... So here's the problem. Our English word son does not do justice, S-O-N, does not do justice to that relationship between the father and the son. If you study this out, and I won't bore you with all the words and all of that, but if you study it out, you get a little more clarity. When the scripture declares that Jesus is the son of God, what it's saying is that Jesus is of the same substance as the father, the same Now this makes a little more sense to me because I have children. My children are my children, but they are distinctly different from me. Every parent said amen. <laughs> They're very different from me, but they are of the same substance, DNA, as I am. Does that make sense? Does that help at all? Are we all just totally like, no, that didn't help at all? But anyway, the essence of the Trinity is that in basic understanding, it's, it's three different persons in the same substance, the same God, one God. The Word was with God. And then John says the Word was God. John wanted us to know from the very outset of his gospel that Jesus was God incarnate. Incarnate. Carne is what? Flesh. God in the Flesh. The mighty creator became a part of his creation, limited by time and space, vulnerable to aging and sickness and, yes, even death. That's what Paul's talking about in Philippians 2.6. Who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. In other words, Jesus just didn't stay up in heaven in his divinity and just make things happen from up there. He didn't use that to his advantage. That's what he's saying. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. No other religion, listen to me. No other religion out of the hundreds if not thousands of religions on this planet can claim a God who came down, who became human, who loved that much. Jesus was willing. Why would he do that? Why would Jesus leave the perfection of heaven? Why would Jesus leave a place where he was worshipped 24 hours a day, seven days a week, where they sang to him, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Why would he ever leave that? One word, love. Love propelled him. Love drove him. It was because of the undefiled love that he had that God came down. Say that with me. God came down to rescue and save us. God came down with the gift of eternal life. His name is Jesus. He is the word of God and he is God. Church, amen, yeah, go ahead. You have to understand this is foundational truth. And John knew it because he knew him. My God, he knew the word. He knew the lamb. He knew Jesus. He knew this was foundational. And if we don't get this, if we don't receive this and believe this, the rest of the gospel means nothing. Because, see, the sacrifice had to be perfect. The sacrifice had to be right, and it was only Jesus, God in the flesh, who was able to make that sacrifice. And so we have to understand and believe this doctrine. Verse (laughs) 2. Oh, Lordy. Jesus was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. That's what we've been talking about. Verse 4, in Jesus was life. Mm. in Jesus was life will you say that with me in Jesus was life. now let's put is with Jesus I messed it up in Jesus is life say it again in Jesus is life and that life was the light of all mankind now light's pretty important right Think about how important it is to you when you need it and don't have it. Like when the power goes out and your phone's in the couch cushion and you can't find it to turn the the light on or when you go camping and forget your flashlight. I've never done that. I don't know why I said that, but yeah, I mean... It's pretty important. What about this? When you're in the middle of the night and you're trying not to wake up your spouse when you have to go to the bathroom and you're tiptoeing, you're walking around and you've just moved and there's something in the floor that shouldn't be there and you're in full swing and hit it with your pinky toe and you look like this. (laughs) Or this. Or this. (laughs) Anybody? Light. Is very important. (laughs) Gotta keep it, you know, gotta keep it fun. That's right, light. Oh, good, good. Gotta keep it light. We turn on the light to see better. We turn on the light and use light because light brings revelation, light reveals things that were once lost or unnoticed. Here's the point. The life that Jesus lived brought light into the darkness of humanity and revealed our need of a Savior. Remember this from last week? It's the life of Jesus. It's the life of Jesus that brings resurrection to my spirit. Come on. And it's his life in me, not my life, it's his life in me that brings the victory and the blessing that I need. Amen. Without the light of Christ, without his revelation, we're doomed to stumble around in spiritual darkness without hope, without direction, without purpose. Psalm 119, 105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Thy word. Even in the Old Testament, they understood Jesus is the word. Thy word is a lamp. Jesus is the lamp. Jesus is the light. He is the life. Come on, hallelujah. Verse five, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. This verse means that evil will never be able to overcome God's rule and God's authority on the earth. It means that Satan's kingdom is actively trying to extinguish the light of Christ, but it will never happen. Never. That's what Paul's saying in Philippians 2, 9, therefore God also has highly exalted Jesus and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven, of those on earth, and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, Satan's influence, wait a minute, Satan's influence is real. We see it all around us. We see his influence everywhere. His darkness has ruined countless lives and he continues to try to deceive and accuse and attack. But at the cross of Jesus Christ, when Satan thought his darkness was complete, when he thought he had extinguished heaven's light, he was utterly horrified when he got a visitor that was very unwelcome that came and took back from him the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And then the light that he thought was gone forever was suddenly reignited power from the Holy Spirit and it will never go out again. Ever. 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 Jesus will never have to die again. When he comes again it will not be. It will not be as the suffering servant but as the king of glory. As we begin to wrap up, yes, I said wrap up. I know you're amazed. The first sermon in our series, I want to skip down to verse 10. Verse 10 says, he was in the world. Jesus was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. And most still don't. That breaks my heart today. Can you imagine how much it breaks God's? Come on, as we're living our lives each and every day, I know it's hard. I know our life is not, is not easy. Life is not easy. But we have Jesus. Let us never forget that most of the world does not. We have a mission, don't we? The great commission, Matthew 28 19. Jesus said, Go ye therefore into all the world, make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. All the world. Pastor, I can't go into all the world. I'm trying to make ends meet. Your world may be Walmart. Your world may be your home. My God. Your world may be with your friends and coworkers. Jesus can use you, wants to use you, wants to live his life through you. To bring hope to somebody else. They didn't recognize him. Verse 11, he came to that which was his own. What does he mean? Israel, the Israelite people, but they did not receive him. (laughs) Yet to all who did, come on, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Physical birth makes us physically come alive and we're entered into a family of some kind. But being born of God makes us spiritually alive and places us in God's family. I'm so thankful for my family, but I, I don't know what I would do without the family of God. We talked about it last week. That's what it means to be born again, born again by putting our faith and trust in Christ, listen, his life in us begins to change us from the inside out. His life in us begins to transform our heart and heal our soul. Every single one of us needs healing in our soul. Every single one of us needs healing in our emotions, in our mind, in our will we've all experienced different traumas in our life and jesus wants to heal us he wants to touch our soul and heal our soul and transform our heart his life in us then begins to spill out into the world around us into those around us and affect the people around us his love you have christ in you you can't keep that love in you his love his mercy His peace. This world needs the peace of God. Your friends need the peace of God. Your children need the peace of God. His hope, His goodness. How desperately the world around us needs all of those things. They need us. To have Christ in us, living his life through us. We're going to read one more verse. Verse 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We've been talking about that. Listen to this. We have seen his glory. Somebody say glory. We have seen. This is John. Remember it. Good friend. We have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. We have seen his glory. The glory of God is the splendor of God. So John is saying that we have seen the splendor of God in the person of Jesus Christ. That means that Jesus himself is the glory of God. And that is what God wants the world to experience through his church. I need to say it again. You didn't get it. We're talking about the glory of God. That is what God wants the world to to experience through his church. Are we not the body of Christ? So, the glory of God, the splendor of God, then, should be on display every single time we gather together as the body of Christ, whether it's in our youth group or our children or our small group or our mission trips or our outreach, whatever it is, when we come together as the body of Christ, the glory of God should be present because it's the glory that makes the difference. It's the glory. It's not my preaching. It's not the ability of any person that stands on this stage. We do our best. We try hard. We put our best foot forward because that's glorifying God to do that. But that means nothing without the glory of God, the manifest presence of Almighty God. He makes the difference. I got a text from our children's pastor, Vanessa, this past week. She had done a screenshot of a Facebook post by a mama downstairs talking about her little boy, what he said. He said, Mom, there's just something different when I'm there. I I can't explain. There's just something different when I'm there, and I don't want to leave. What that little boy is experiencing is the glory. My prayer as of late is that people, as they drive onto the property, would begin to sense and experience the glory of God before they ever walk through that door. Because the glory makes the difference. The glory of the one and only Son, John said. Now, we're all children of God. When we receive Christ as our Lord and Savior, we, become, we have the right to be called children of God. But make no mistake, there is only one Jesus. He is the one and only, capital S, Son of God. And finally, he came Jesus came from the Father full, say full, full of grace and truth. I've always made it my mission when I preach in the messages to make sure I'm preaching with truth, strong doctrine, amen? The word of God, but also with grace. Not 50-50, 100-100. Because Jesus came full of both. And when we err on one side or the other, we get into some dangerous waters. You err on on just all truth, it kills. Religion kills. The letter of the law kills. And then you err on just all greasy grace and you get off into la-la land. He'll just do whatever you want. Jesus loves you. (laughs) Grace and truth. Grace. You know, I think that one of the biggest surprises to folks when they get saved, and maybe as a young adult, is that they still have to deal with this. It's like, I got saved, so I don't have any temptations anymore, right? <laughs> Unfortunately, we still have temptations we still have the propensity to make some really, really, really bad decisions. I was reading a book, it's old, called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction by Eugene Peterson. And I want to share with you just this paragraph kind of about what we just were talking about. He says, the moment we say no to the world and yes to God, all our problems are solved. All our questions answered, all our troubles over. Nothing can disturb the tranquility of the the soul that's at peace with God. Nothing can interfere with the blessed assurance that all is well between me and my Savior. Nothing and no one can upset the enjoyable relationship that has been established by faith in Jesus. We Christians are among the privileged company of persons who don't have accidents, who don't have arguments with our spouses. sorry, (laughs) who aren't misunderstood by our peers, whose children do not disobey us. If any of those things should happen, A crushing doubt, a a squall of anger, a desperate loneliness, an accident that puts us in the hospital, an argument that puts us in the doghouse, a rebellion that puts us on the defensive, a misunderstanding that puts us in the wrong. It is a sign that something is wrong with our relationship with God. We have consciously or unconsciously retracted our yes to God, and God, impatient with our fickle faith, has gone off to someone else to take care of them deserving his attention. Is that what you believe? We, we giggled at some of those things because it obviously was very tongue-in-cheek. The problem is when we actually are going through stuff, the accident, the argument, the failure, we do start believing that because that's what the accuser tells us. You've done that one too many times. God is over it. He's finished. He's going to move on to somebody else who's willing to try harder. Can I just tell you some good news? If that's the way you're doing your Christianity, you're doing it wrong. It's not the word of God. Jesus came full of truth but also full of grace. I saw a movie this week called Father Stew. Mark Wahlberg. Great movie, terrible language. Don't take your 10-year-old and be like, oh, Pastor Allen told us to go see this great movie. <laughs> you would be putting earmuffs on their ears 30 seconds in. It's raw, right? It's real. This guy is messed up. He's a, he's a brawler. He's He's an alcoholic. He's a drunk. He keeps trying to get rich quick. All those things, right? And he's always in fights. He's just, just always he's a mess. He's a mess. He has a near-death experience. DUI, was, you know, has an accident, almost dies. It's a true story, by the way. He comes to faith. And then decides that God is calling him into the priesthood, which everybody made just laugh when they heard that. They couldn't believe it. They, they were like, You're, that's a joke. He said, no, I'm serious. So he begins be trained as a priest. And he's still just as raw as he ever was. <laughs> so... He's at the very beginning of this training, and they ask him to do, as Catholic, they ask him to do the reflection in mass, which is just a short little devotional or whatever. And they're, all the leaders are on pins and needles because they don't have any idea what he's going to say. And they're just like, is, is he going to let an F-bomb drop? You know, just whatever. They didn't know. They didn't know. Have you ever been in a service like that where somebody got the microphone and you're like, Jesus, 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 you know. I have. <laughs> so we don't do them. Anyway. So he's doing this reflection, and they're all on pins and needles. And he's like, you know what? Jesus came to show us the way. He showed us how to live perfectly, how to live according to the word of God. So we accept him and then find out we can't do it. And then he points up to the cross and he said, that's where he comes in. He said, just let him in. Just let him in and he'll do the heavy lifting. Oh, pastor, then that means you're saying that we can just do whatever? Just do whatever? Listen, if your attitude is how much I can get away with and still go to heaven, I believe you have not been born again. And I know that that might be offensive and that might be too judgmental. I'm just telling you, if if your whole thing is, what can I get away with and still go to heaven, I don't believe you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. But if you do have a relationship with Christ, and it crushes you every time you fail, and the enemy whispers in your mind, in your heart, You've done it one too many times. You've you've gone that direction too many times. God is tired of you. He's he's going on to somebody else who's going to try harder. Listen, we can try and try and try, but come on, flesh gives birth to flesh. We can't do it on our own. We have to open up and daily yield to the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. We have to yield and submit to his spirit because it's his spirit that will do the work. And God knows we're not going to do it perfectly. He's not asking that for perfection. He's asking that we yield. And when we yield, and that relationship is strengthened every day. (laughs) We can look back one day and go, oh my goodness, look what God has done. Look how far he's brought me full of grace and truth. That's freedom. If you were challenged and are encouraged by today's message, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever else you find us. To experience other messages, videos, and live events, visit us online at newlifecanton.com. And again, thank you for listening to the New Life Church Podcast.